Welcome to the Living a Naturally Healthy Life podcast with Delane ND, the podcast for people looking to correct chronic illnesses such as diabetes through lifestyle change. I'm Dr. Delane Vaughn. As a physician, I see many patients who are ill because of lifestyle decisions such as food choices. Typically, diseases such as diabetes are managed with pills or injections. This approach creates a vicious, expensive, and unhealthy cycle of medication and then more medication to address the negative side effects. As a physician, and a life coach, I work with clients to resolve their diseases, get off their medications, and live a naturally healthy life. If you don't like the healthcare system in America, I recommend you use less of it by being naturally healthy. So if you feel there has to be a better, more natural way to live a healthy life, you are in the right place. Hello, you are listening to the Reversing Diabetes with Delane MD podcast. I'm your host, Dr. Delane Vaughn. If you are looking for strategies to live a naturally healthy life, you are in the right place. That is what this podcast is dedicated to do. So this is episode number 97, which means I have 98, 99, and then 100. So if you have any suggestions for the big 100, send it to me. Send them to me via email. You can send it to Delane at DelaneND.com. I'm always interested to hear podcast suggestions, anything that you want to listen to, but I feel like podcast number 100 feels kind of big. So I'd love to hear suggestions and then I'll make a decision that aligns with what maybe what I hear the most of as far as suggestions or with what I think is most important for the listeners. So send me suggestions. I'd love to hear them. If nothing else, send me and just say hello. We all like hellos. So today we're going to talk about stress. But before we get started, you all know that I love the warm weather. It's been a little disappointed, disappointing here in Kansas. So I like it hot. I like it really, really hot. I like what most people, most people consider what I consider warm or hot to be miserable. And I understand that I'm the weirdo and that's fine. But Kansas is not showing up to the game. Kansas has given us a very chilly spring and late spring. Most of the time in Kansas, we are fighting turning on our air conditioner until at least mid-May. And here it is, June 3rd, as I record this, and I have turned on my air conditioner once, and I have wanted to turn on my heater a couple different times, but that seems silly and excessive, so I haven't done it. But do recognize I've wanted to. So Kansas is not showing up to the summer game, and that's really disappointing me, but it really it truly has been warmer. So I hope everybody, and I have enjoyed the warmer weather, but I hope you're enjoying the warmer weather. And in the warmer weather... I am offering a challenge to you that really will help you live a healthier life. And that challenge is for you to consider gardening. So there is no food that you will eat that will be as healthy as the food that you grow yourself. In addition to you being healthier, studies show that children who make, i.e. grow their own vegetables, tend to eat more vegetables. This might be an easier way to get your kids to start eating healthy other than just putting food on their plate and forcing them to sit at the table until they're done with their veggies. So I will tell you, I desperately want to be a gardener. Many of you may be aware of this from other podcasts that I've recorded. I seem to be a very slow study in this area. This January, I planted about 18 plants. Um, It was a variety of things, kale, broccoli. There were two varieties of tomatoes, cucumbers, strawberries. Despite being indoors in my house in the basement, the really harsh freeze we had this spring took almost all of them out. I only have one tomato plant left and one strawberry plant left. Pray for them as they will need all the prayers they can get. I intend to be replanting 
some of these plants. Last year, I planted cucumbers and I planted tomatoes, and we nibbled on those all summer long, and it was really awesome. There was nothing as rewarding, really, as going out and just plucking the vegetables that I needed from my garden versus going to the store, buying them, and finding them a month later after they rotted. That used to be so frustrating to me, and so I decided, well, let's just silly talk. Let's just grow them. So I highly recommend you try this. Try growing out your own veggies. Again, like it's cheap. It's like a buck 40 for an entire envelope of seeds versus a buck 40 for one or two cucumbers. I must have eaten at least, I don't know, I got plenty of cucumbers last year. But recognizing that um, the health benefits from growing your own food, there will be no pesticides on it. There will be no pesticides in the soil that you plant for it. It's all stuff that you do. Truly nothing healthier for your body. So that is my health challenge for you this week if you're looking to up-level your health. I also want to encourage you to check out next week's podcast. We will be talking about the fastest way to get the results that you want. And I'm going to tell you, it's not what you think it is. It's going to be good. So hit the subscribe button so you don't miss out on any episodes. Let's talk stress. Stress is one of those amazingly common experiences that most Americans struggle to describe, struggle to understand, and struggle to even be aware when they're experiencing it. So we're going to talk about what it is. We're going to dive into a bunch of aspects of this. First off, stress clearly negatively impacts our health and in general, our experience of life. So it's really imperative to get a handle on your stress if you're wanting to live the life you've always dreamed of, right? Nobody ever grows up dreaming they're going to be a ball of anxiety. Nobody expects stress to be the issue in their life, but most of us experience it and experience it to a point that it is negatively impacting our life. So what is stress? Stress is any internal or external stimulus that evokes a biologic response in our body, a biological response in our body. We call this the stress response. In the literature, that's what it's called. But recognize it is not only something that's happening outside of your body. It is also things that happen inside your body. Also recognize it's not always just the bad things in life. It's also the good things in life. It's not just the arguments, the diagnosis of disease, the unexpected car accidents. It's also the birth of babies, the vacationing and traveling, the changing of a job from your current job that you felt stuck into your dream job, moving from one home to a bigger home with a pool. All of those are good experiences but do cause stress in our life. Many times we believe it's the circumstance that needs to change, right? In my argument with my spouse, the words he said is what caused me to be stressed. The diagnosis of the disease is what is causing me to be stressed. The accident, the car accident I got into is what is causing me to be stressed, okay? How much help I do or don't have around the house with my new baby is how much or is what is causing me to be stressed. The vacation, the job, the house, all of the things. What I want to offer to you is that it's not the circumstance that's causing our stress. It is our thoughts about the circumstances that lead to our stress, which is a feeling that we're experiencing. I initially doubted this. My clients initially doubt this. Most people initially doubt that it's our thoughts and not actually the circumstances. But recognize that our thoughts about a car accident are not universally everybody's thoughts about a car accident. If I had a car I didn't like, that I was like really looking forward to getting a new car, 
and I got in a car accident, it's very possible one could experience excitement about that car accident. I mean, given that nobody's hurt or, you know, injured, but that you're going to get a new car out of this because you didn't like the car in the first place. So recognize our belief and our experiences about a situation or a circumstance is never universal and it's always open to interpretation and that this is truly the best news ever. And the reason it's the best news ever is because we can change our thoughts and beliefs. This is a tool that we're going to look at when we get down to stress management, but this is not what this podcast is actually about. I don't want to discuss necessarily how it's really our thoughts and it's not the experience. What's really important here is more of how we are aware or not aware of our stress. That's what I want to dig into in this podcast. I want to talk about how we can become more aware of stress in our bodies and then how we can start to manage it. For many people, this is the biggest part of stress management. We don't even realize we're experiencing stress, which makes it really hard to start managing it effectively. So I want to review how stress affects the human body and some techniques for evaluating stress in our body. And then I want to talk about some strategies for managing stress in our body. We're going to dig into some science here, so bear with me. I want to talk about the effects that stress has on various systems in our body. So stress in the brain. We know that when we have stress, whether it be outside of our body or inside of our body, our body releases hormones and it releases messengers. Those get into our brain and it impairs things like our memory. It impairs how we learn. It reduces our ability to learn. It releases cortisol and cortisol mediators to our brain. So all of these things are happening when we experience stress in our brain. In addition, those have impacts on our immune system. So stress impacts our immune system by, again, releasing these stress mediators in our brain that turn on cortisol production in our body. Cortisol is not only produced by our adrenals after being told to produce, or our adrenals are told by our brain to produce the cortisol, but mediators in our body tell other organs like the thymus, to also start producing cortisol. So we have all sorts of organs in our body that start spitting out cortisol. What cortisol does is it impacts our immune system by shutting it off. Cortisol inhibits or stops the function of cells like lymphocytes and macrophages or phagocytes that are bacteria and virus fighters in our bloodstream. Okay, And severe stress can shut our body's natural system that picks up mutated cells, thereby causing cancer to develop and malignancies to develop, all from stress. Another hormone released by our immune system under the effect of stress is norepinephrine, which again goes back and shuts off our body's cells that fight these bacterial infections and viral infections. So stress has all sorts of negative effects on our immune system. If you look at stress and how it impacts our cardiovascular system, it's even more negative. I mean, if the immune system wasn't bad enough that we were all going to get, if we don't manage our stress, we're going to have worse infections and possibly even cancer. Recognize stress on our heart leads to all sorts of things and not just our heart, but our vessels. So acute or chronic stress has a net negative effect on our cardiovascular system. So it turns on our sympathetic nervous system, the stress turns on the sympathetic nervous system, which gives us a rise in our heart rate. So we have our heart beating fast. It 
increases the contraction of our heart muscle, which that, of course, increases our blood pressure. It causes changes in the dilation of arteries and veins, sometimes dilating them, sometimes constricting them, so there's not as much blood flow going to certain organs. It decreases the way our kidneys function, not regulating our electrolytes the way they should. It also, stress also changes the cells that line our vessels in a way that increases the risk of clotting in our vessels, not just clotting as a heart attack, which seems like a big deal, but also in ways that increase our risk of clotting and causing things like uh, deep vein thrombosis or pulmonary embolism. It also, stress also leads to increased stickiness of our platelets. Again, that can lead to a clot in our vessels, wreaking all sorts of havoc on our body. In addition to that, via the sympathetic nervous system, Stress can cause a rise in our blood cholesterol, which leads to atherosclerosis or plaque buildup in our vessels. So stress directly has a negative impact on our cardiovascular system. In addition to that, as if it couldn't get worse, recognizing that many of the compensatory behaviors that we have that we use to mitigate stress. So what does that mean? These are compensatory risky behaviors that we use because we believe they will cause us to be less stressed. Things like smoking or alcohol use are all toxic to the cardiac cells. So in addition to the negative impact stress has on our body, just the experience of stress, the things that we typically try to do to decrease or fix, quote unquote, our stress are frequently things that are actually toxic to our heart cells. Being aware of that. Stress and cardiovascular function is really, um, there's a very strong negative correlation there. So stress also negatively impacts our gut motility. It it alters our gut function, really. So it changes the motility, so how things move through our gut. Interestingly, in the stomach, it slows how food moves through the gut, which typically leads to things like cramping. And then in our like bowels in our intestines, it actually increases the transit time leading to things like diarrhea. Interestingly, if you think about IBS symptoms, cramping and diarrhea are two of the big symptoms people with IBS report, and they also will report that it's worse with stress. Recognizing that stress alters the gut lining, the permeability of the gut lining, which allows bacterial particles and toxins and viruses to get into our bloodstream where they don't belong. That leads to inflammation throughout our body, which of course can wreak havoc on our body. Recognizing that this also also alters the um, water absorption, how we absorb water into our system from our gut. Interestingly, also stress increases the inflammation in the gut, which again is the connection that you see with inflammatory gut syndromes like Crohn's disease or ulcerative colitis. When you are stressed, the inflammation flares and you get a flare of your Crohn's or your ulcerative colitis. So stress has a a pretty strong impact on our gut and our gut health. Lastly, stress and our endocrine function. We've talked a little bit about this in our immune system in the brain, but recognize stress has an effect on many different different endocrine glands. So the hypothalamus, the pituitary, the adrenal, the ovaries, the thyroid, the testicles, the pancreas, which of course is our source of insulin production. Remember that the stress hormone is cortisol. That's what our body primarily produces in response to stress. The 
building block molecule for cortisol is cholesterol in our body. Cholesterol is also the building block molecule for estrogen and progesterone and testosterone. So there is a concept called cortisol shunting that occurs when we are under chronic stress. And what that means is that your body will use all of the building block of cholesterol to make cortisol at the expense of your estrogen, progesterone, and testosterone. So when men come in complaining of low testosterone, dealing with their stress is imperative if you're going to fix that. When women come in saying their hormones aren't right, maybe it's menopause, maybe it's not, fixing that stress effect is going to be imperative if you're going to fix that hormonal effect because your body is using all of the basic building blocks that they would that your body would be using to make estrogen progesterone and testosterone to make all of the cortisol that you're producing from all the stress you're having so recognize that there are many 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 different areas this what i just went through is a very cursory review of the effects that stress has on our body and you can see already the substantial things that are coming out of that Getting curious about how you describe stress in your life is imperative to figuring out if you're having stress and how you're going to manage it. Most people really struggle to define, describe, relay in any way to another human being what stress feels like in their body. So I think that that's one of the really important things. What are, what are the signs and symptoms you are experiencing that are consistent with stress. So some symptoms you're going to report to somebody else that are commonly associated with stress are things like irritability, headaches, being short-tempered, difficulty concentrating, poor sleep, weakness, poor memory, stomach cramping, fear, confusion, worry, inability to relax. All of those are symptoms that you're going to say, I'm experiencing this. In addition to that, there are going to be signs that other people not just you, but other people can see, right? So things like sweaty, sweaty palms. If somebody's watching your blood pressure or your heart rate, you will see an increase in blood pressure. You can see an increase in your heart rate. If they're measuring how fast you're breathing, they can measure a rapidity, like your breathing gets more rapid. Uh, muscle tension is another thing that you can see. A lot of times people will report this and that's fine. But what I always tell my clients, this is the effect of your shoulders pulling towards your ears. If you feel like your shoulders are constantly creeping up towards your ears, that's muscle tension. That is a sign of stress. If you're experiencing that a lot, if you're having to pull your shoulders out of your ears multiple times a day, that's a stress sign. Lastly, having, again, the stomach cramping, but in addition to that, the diarrhea that comes with that stomach upset and the stress effects on your GI system. All of those are things. If you're experiencing these things, if you're experiencing three to five of these things each day, if you're experiencing them for more than a couple minutes a day, if you're experiencing them multiple times a week, chances are really good you're not managing your stress the way you need to be or the way that's most beneficial for your health. So learning, that's what I encourage my clients to do. How, many, how much time each day do you experience these signs and symptoms? How many of these signs and symptoms are showing up? How many days of the week do they show up? So I want to talk about the methods that are evidence-based techniques that you can use, you can learn, and you can practice so that you can start improving your stress. It's one of the most frustrating things about stress is how do you fix it? Well, just stop being stressed. That's not helpful to anybody. That is not helpful for anybody. Exercise has been proven to release stress and to decrease stress by dissipating 
those hormones in our body. When we go out and run or we go out and walk or we go out and get sweaty biking, whatever it is that you're doing for exercise that causes you to get sweaty and your heart rate to go up and you breathe heavy, you're actually burning off those stress hormones, the cortisol, the norepinephrine, the epinephrine. So that is one way. I highly recommend that. But if you're in the middle of the office, you can't just take off and go for a jog. So what are some things that you can do that have evidence-based results behind them so that you can start managing your stress anywhere? So I'm going to go through the list of things and kind of a brief description. I am not a qualified practitioner of most of these things. Some of them I have done. Some of them I have learned about. Some of them I'd never heard about. I don't know. I would not. I'm not portraying myself as an expert in these things, but if any of them sound interesting, you only need two or three of them to start improving your the effects of stress on your body. So just figure out what they are and then find out more information. Certainly, if you have any questions about where you get more information about these things, I have some resources. Definitely email me, delane at delanemd.com. I'm happy to give you those resources. So the first one that the literature reviewed was progressive muscle relaxation. So this is a technique that involves alternating tension and relaxation in all of your body's major muscle groups. The next um, technique is called autogenic training. So this works through a series of self-statements about heaviness and warmth in different parts of your body. And through this process, you get a positive effect on stress in your body through the autonomic nervous system. We have a relaxation response technique, and this is a um, technique that induces a physical state of deep rest in a way that changes your physical and emotional response to stress. There is a biofeedback technique. This involves measuring and getting to know your body's physiologic response in real time. So as you're experiencing a rapid heartbeat and then learning how to control them. Lots of times this technique actually requires the use of biometric machinery like a blood pressure machine or a pulse oximeter to monitor your pulse. But once you learn when your heart rate's going up and then learn what you need to do to lower that heart rate, you can get improvement on that stress response in your body. Guided imagery, also called relaxation and, gui- and guided imagery, RGI, it's an evidence- evidence-based mindfulness intervention that involves guiding a person through envisioning specific images that promote relaxation of the body and the mind. Uh, diaphragmatic breathing, I've heard about this a lot. I think that they that my meditation app that I use has walked me through this a couple of different times. I don't do it all the time, but it's an efficient, integrative mind-body training that deals with stress and psychosomatic conditions. So it involves contraction of the diaphragm, expansion of the belly, and deepening of your inhalation and your exhalation, and that consequently decreases your respiratory rate but maximizes the amount of blood blood gas exchanging. So utilizing that strategy, and again, a lot of times that's used in meditation. Uh, Transcendental meditation is different from mindfulness meditation. Uh, It's a technique of concentrative meditation that achieves an altered state of consciousness. Mindful, it's mindful, and the next one is mindfulness-based stress reduction or meditation. This is a moment-to-moment awareness of one's experience, removing all judgment, Again, allowing your stress to reduce. And then there are cognitive behavioral therapies, which is very similar to what I teach with self-coaching. So cognitive behavioral therapies focus on the relationship between thoughts, feelings, and behaviors. 
Targeting your current problems and symptoms and focusing on changing the patterns of behaviors, the patterns of thoughts, and the patterns of feelings that are leading to the stress in your life. That's really what I teach with self-coaching. It's very similar to this cognitive behavioral therapy. It involves journaling about your thoughts, right? My clients hear me say this all the time. You're going to have 60,000 thoughts run through your brain every day. They're not all going to be winners. Deciding what doesn't serve you and letting it go and deciding what does serve you and practicing it, that's what self-coaching involves. So we look at the thoughts that we're having, the feelings that are caused by those thoughts, the actions that we're taking, and then we decide what we want to keep or what we want to reconceptualize so that we can get the results that we want. So recognizing before we demonize stress entirely that stress does have a beneficial effect on our body. We develop these responses, these systems in our body because we needed them. There is a benefit But do notice, one, when we don't have control over our stress, when we're stressing about things that we don't have any impact on in the world, I cannot fix starving children in third world countries. I alone cannot fix it. I can send money. I can try to help in some way. I can send money for medical resources for all these things. But I alone will not be able to fix that. So putting a lot of energy into stressing about that is not serving me. If I'm going in to do some kind of presentation, stressing the three minutes before I go on stage is not helpful to me because I can't change anything at that point. My preparation has been my preparation. My speech will be my speech. That's what's out there. That's all there is. So stressing about it in that moment to a point that it makes me physically have negative impacts on my body is not beneficial. So recognize stress that is not controlled is not beneficial. And also recognize that when our bodies are already ill with diseases like type 2 diabetes or hyperinsulinemia or those similar diseases, our bodies, the body's resources at that point are so taxed that the net effect of that stress on our body is negative. Between the disease in our body and the stress response, our resources in our body can't keep up with that. And the net effect of the stress on our body at that point is negative. Recognizing stress is not all bad. But if we are sick with things like diabetes, our body can't manage both that physiologic stress and the emotional stress that's going on in our body. I also want you to understand that there is evidence of a connection between our belief about stress and the impact on our body and our health outcomes. There is evidence supporting that our belief about stress is as important as the presence or absence of stress in our health. Our belief is as important on our health as the presence or absence of stress is on our health. So there have been studies that point to poorer outcomes for people who experience stress and believe that it's hurting their bodies. Those two things going together versus people who experience stress but believe that it's a normal response to that situation. People who experience stress and believe that it's a normal response have better outcomes, health outcomes, than people who experience stress and believe that it's hurting their body. So how is that for the power of belief, right? So there is a TED Talk that dives into this. It's by a health psychologist. Her name is Kelly McGonigal. I would encourage you to check it out. If you haven't ever checked out TED Talks, be careful. You could dive in there and you could be on TED Talks for the next three weeks and probably not get through all the ones you want to see. But Kelly McGonigal is her name, and the name of her TED Talk is How to Make Stress Your Friend. She talks about the research about the research She talks about the research regarding our beliefs about stress. So find that TED Talk and enjoy that. Lastly, if you're ready to learn all of these tools and to have them at your disposal so that you can reclaim your health, know that there's help for you with this. 
You do not have to implement all of these changes on your own. You do not have to figure out how to manage stress alone. You can ha- there is help for that. That my program helps women who are type 2 diabetic reverse their diabetes, lose some weight along the way so they can start living the life of their dreams. This is not only what do you eat. This is also how much are you sleeping? How are you managing stress? How much exercise are you getting in your life? What about all the other systems in your life? Those are the things that we dive into in my program so that my clients can learn to stop eating in a way that makes them sick and they can also learn how to manage other aspects of their life that are adding to their sickness and fix that. So if you're interested, send me an email, delane at delanemd.com for a free consultation. You can hear what my program is about and what it can do for you and you can start living your naturally healthy life. I'll be back next week. Send me any suggestions for episode number 100. I will talk to you later. Bye-bye. Thank you for listening. If you've enjoyed today's episode, please subscribe and share with your friends and family. Also, leave me a review. If you want to resolve your diabetes naturally without any pills or injections, I can help you. Visit DelaneMD.com for more information. Click on the Work With Me tab, send me a message, and we can set up a mini coaching session. You guys have a great week. I'll talk to you soon.